Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Before that, leading us in worship, it's great to, uh, to be here and enjoy it. We look at the church and various aspects of the church, and one of the areas we're going to look at in a couple of few weeks' time is the, the scattered church, and part of that is having a mission heart, and just that's not today's topic, but in a few weeks' time, four weeks' time, we're going to be focusing on opportunities we have as a church to um, make a difference in the lives of people a long way away. We've got great opportunities, people close by, but a long way away. So Tony Hilton, who heads up the missions here at, uh, at church, is going to tell you a little bit more about that next week. But then on um, May the, March the 20th, we have the opportunity to, to uh, do that. Our theme today is week three of Church Defined, who we are, what it's all about, is we're a spiritual people. We're a spiritual people, or probably better to say we're a people of the spirit because just the word spiritual can can kind of raise up sometimes we can think of spirits as a bit flaky spiritual means new agey spiritual means all sorts of things but people of the spirit means we are the people of God who are reliant on the spirit of God that's what today is all about and we are a people of the spirit and when you read through the new testament you see how many many times we are called to be spiritual people to be people of the Spirit. We're called to live by the Spirit. The scriptures talk about singing in the Spirit. The scriptures talk about um, uh, worshipping in the Spirit. The scriptures talk about being filled with the Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're a whole bunch of things. There's a lot of reference in the, in the uh, scriptures about in the Spirit. And so we need to be people who are in the Spirit and we're going to see in whom the Spirit is in us which is really crucial. So we're going to look at that. What does it mean to be a spiritual people or a people of the Spirit? And the first thing we need to understand is just we need to understand that we live a new covenant faith. You know, when God deals with his people over the years, for centuries he dealt with what we call the old covenant. It's a whole bunch of the way God dealt with people throughout, particularly throughout the Old Testament. And, and we live that way. And then we come to a place now where new covenant, I want to say a little bit more about that later on, we're, we're a people of God, we're living as new covenant people, and what does that mean? And we'll see what that means for us. It, it sounds almost crazy to say, but we sometimes think we're new covenant people, and that just is a veneer over the old covenant. No, the scriptures say, and I, we read it in, in, in the uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, in Christ you're a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. The old is gone. It's not, it's not sitting around. It's not sort of, you know, we're not papering over the top. We're not putting a veneer of new over the old. The old is gone. The new has come. We are new covenant people. And that's going to be important. We understand what it means to be people of the spirit, to be a spiritual people. So I want to share what that means today. And I, to make it simple, because sometimes we think of the spirit and it's sort of a weird thought. It's kind of, oh, you know, what is that? Is that some sort of... Um, you know, force in the atmosphere. We're going to see that's not good. I want you to take away just simply today, just three words, and you'll, if you take those three away, I think we'll understand a bit more about who the Spirit is in, in us. So the first one of those is 
to be in the Spirit, to be people in the Spirit, it's to understand the Spirit is God's presence in us. The word presence. He's the presence of God in us. It's important to say that. That's important because in the Old Covenant, the work of the Spirit was to come upon people and anoint them for a task. It happens right throughout the Old Testament. But in the New Covenant, the work of the Spirit is to come into people and indwell people. The word before was anoint. The word now with God is to indwell. We are indwelt by the Spirit. When you choose to follow Jesus, you are indwelt by the Spirit. You become a spiritual person in the true sense of that. It's very important. When you become a follower of Jesus, an extraordinary transaction happens. Paul writes about it in his letter to the Romans. I'll read it to you. It comes up. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And here's the transaction. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. This incredible um, transaction that happens. God's spirit testifies with our children, that our spirit, that we are God's children. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. God's spirit dwells within you as a follower of Jesus. We need to grasp that. Really important. You know, one day when the apostle Peter, who had sort of mixed mixed relationships with Jesus at times and made some, put his foot in it a few times. But Peter, when he's preaching on the day of Pentecost and he's talking to the crowd and all of a sudden the crowd start to realise that what they've done is, is crucified the Messiah. And they come to this place of incredible contrition and they say, what shall we do? And this is what Peter says. Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, not something out there but in, in, within you. Jesus himself says in John's Gospel a couple of times, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. At a festival, Jesus says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow where? From within them. Not to within them, from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. 
You see, Jesus lived in this transition time between the old and the new. He, he, he lived to usher in new covenant values, but he lived in old covenant times because the new covenant didn't come till his death. That's why Good Friday is Great Friday. Because it's not just forgiveness, that would be enough. But it's actually a new covenant. You know, earthquakes come and rocks get shattered and temples, curtains get ripped because something new is happening. And something happens with this new covenant and the Spirit of God is within you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that. You're not fighting for his presence. He is presence. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet he went to be with the Father. So God the Father and God the Son are in heaven, but God the Spirit are in you. That is amazing. Your your human mind won't comprehend that. It's very hard to comprehend, but that's the truth. He dwells within you. You know his presence in your life. That's really crucial to, to grasp that. And sometimes, I said before, we think, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of sort of the third person out here somewhere, weird, strange, doing crazy stuff, and we, don't, we think of God the Father and God the Son, but it's God the Holy Spirit, not just the Holy Spirit, it's God the Holy Spirit. This is the presence of God in you and in me. So a spiritual people, a people of the Spirit, need to understand we accept and receive and live with the presence of God in us. That is extraordinary. That ought to change the way we live. That's the first word I want us to think about, is to think of his presence. He is the bringer of the presence of God. And, and so you read by that scripture that Paul said, Jesus said that the trajectory now is not, of the Spirit is not outside on. In the New Covenant, the trajectory of the Spirit is inside out. There are rivers of living water in you, not trickles, not streams. Not stagnant pools. There are rivers of living water. I've had the joy of two or three times now just standing on the edge of Lake Victoria in Uganda and seeing where the Nile River comes out, a place called Ginger, and it comes out in a torrent. It's not a little tributary. There are rivers of living water living within you. You need to understand that. That's the trajectory of the Spirit from you. God didn't just give you his spirit to be sort of a dormant, um, inert thing. It's his presence in you. Rivers, rivers of living water. First word, remember his presence. The second thing I want to say, and the word I want you to remember is momentum. The spirit of God in you is God's momentum in you. And here's why this is important. Because if we're honest and real, if you're a follower of Jesus, or even if you're not yet, you know there are times in your life where you get stuck. As a follower of Jesus, you can go on, things seem to be going really well, and all of a sudden you get stuck. For all sorts of reasons, maybe a circumstance has arisen, maybe you get a terrible diagnosis, or whether a relationship falls foul, or whatever might happen, you can get stuck in your faith. And you wonder where God is. You wonder what's happened. If I were to say to you, when's the last time you experienced a move of God in your life? 
I wonder how far you'd have to go back. Or maybe you live this intermittent faith life where God is real one day, he's not so real the next, and he's, you know, momentum is broken sometimes. And momentum's a strange thing. You see it in sporting fields where a, a, a team gets momentum and just they, the ball seems to bounce their way and they seem to anticipate the play. And Momentum's a funny thing. When you have momentum, you look better than you are. And when you don't have momentum, you look worse than you are. It's this strange thing about that. And because you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have the capacity for momentum, for ongoing life and faith. And sometimes we get stuck. Dictionary defines momentum as a quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass and velocity, or another definition, the impetus gained by a moving object. You have a living, breathing God dwelling within you. That is momentum of your faith and of your life. It's really important that we, we grasp that, we get it. It's what's so important because we, we don't always think that way. We don't always think about God as the momentum in our life. We sometimes feel like God is swirling around in the atmosphere. And when we come to church, we've almost got to sing him down. No, no, we have to let him out. When you come to worship, it's not sort of, what's the person at the front? How do they do it all? It's, am I, are there rivers of living water flowing out of me? Because there are, if you let them. We sometimes think it's, it's God swirling around in the atmosphere. And I remember one time in a church service I preached at and somebody said to me afterwards, when did you feel the Holy Spirit into the building this morning? And I said, it was the time the first person came and opened the doors and walked in. That's when the Holy Spirit came to the building. Not sort of, sort of well, we did felt better. We had, it was sort of freaky. No, no. God dwells within you. His momentum is in you really important that we understand that and that we grasp that. This is not the house of God. This is a beautiful building where the people of God, filled by the Spirit of God, meet. That's who we are. It affects every area of life. It affects our worship. It affects our thought on buildings. It affects our giving. You know, Old Covenant said, you know, it was, it was an obligation you gave a tenth of all you had for the poor. That was the, that's the obligation of the old covenant. The new covenant says it's all God's. It's all God's and I give now not by obligation, but I give out of joy and generosity, a spirit of generosity. That's the difference. We're going to talk about being a generous people one week in this whole season. It's momentum is having the life of God breathing in you as a living entity, moving you along. Paul says in the scripture, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And if the spirit of God lives in you, it makes all the difference. And here's why it's important to momentum because here's what we do as the body of Christ often we look for a move of God and we see it somewhere else we see it in somewhere else we see it in someone else that's when we see the move of God and I've got to tell you there are some times when I've been in ministry for a long time now and there are times when 
I've thought to myself, my spiritual GPS must be off because I'm ministering here and the move of God seems to be over there. You know, and you look at through the history of my, just my own history, there's been times when I thought, oh, well, the move, people have said the move of God's over there. It's in, it's in Southern California with the Wimber movement or it's, 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 in, um, it's there in Toronto with the Toronto, you know, work of God there or the move of God is in Pensacola or the move of God is in Chicago or the move of God is somewhere else. And that's where the move of God really is and you think, well, hang on, I'm stuck here. But here's the deal, the move of God is in you. There's not one move of God in the world. There are millions of moves of God. The move of God in Morayfield or Narangbar or Burpengary or Brisbane is in this room. That's the move of God. You are the move of God. God has chosen you and me to be people of the Spirit. And that makes the difference. God is within you. Don't try and find the move of God somewhere else. He's in you. His presence, his momentum, his strength. I don't know about you, but I've been in prayer meetings where people pray for revival and it seems like what they're praying is something out there. Revival starts in you. Revival starts in your heart. It starts in your spirit. Revival starts in us. We are the people of the spirit. He works in us. That's what's really crucial. It's his presence and it's his momentum. Sometimes we pray like, you know, we just want a visitation from heaven. And I get that. I understand that. But there's nothing greater in heaven than Jesus. And he's visited. And he's gone and given us his spirit. Now we better live that out. Doesn't mean God can't do something sovereign amongst us. Of course he can. But we are the movement of God. We revival starts with us. Starts with you, starts with me. If we are people of the Spirit. And I want to the third word I want you just to remember today is the people of the Spirit, it's the power of God in you. I know we get freaked out by the word power. And I don't mean abuse of power. We see abuse of power all over the place and we think it's hierarchical and all that. So I'm not talking about that. But if the Spirit of God, who is God, lives in you, there is a power in you that God has chosen to live within you. Let me just try and illustrate that to you, how powerful you are. Because you need to realise that you're more important in the work of God than you think you are. You're more important in the work of God than you think you are. Let me explain that. When I speak this morning, you hear two voices. You hear what I say, and then you hear what you say about what I say. Don't you? You have two voices. And let me be honest with you. What you say about what I say has more weight for you than what I say. Because I say something, and you say, not sure, not sure that's right. I'm going to check out with him in the foyer afterwards. I'm going to go back and... You know, I'm, and, and so you, what you say about what I say has more weight to you than what I say. Same is true with God. We do the same thing. God says something, and then we say, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to check that out. 
And what you say about what God says has more weight for you than what God says. I wish it wasn't that way for me, but it is. So, for example, God says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I say, God, you don't know my enemies. I'm not going to do it. So what I say about what God says has more weight than what God says, right? Just the way it is. We wish it wasn't that way, but it is. You are more important in the work of God than you think. How you respond, how you react, how you allow the Spirit of God to be rivers of living water flowing out of you. God's power is in you for good, for God. It's not power to be powerful. It's power to be a powerful servant, a powerful representative of God. I want to to just drill down a little bit on this, that you are more important in the work of God than you think. And there are scriptural um, admonitions for this, or scriptural encouragements about that. There's a story, and you can read the whole story afterwards, a great story in Luke chapter 7, where there's a there's a centurion, so he's a Roman soldier. We don't even know if he's a follower of Jesus, but he's a God-fearing man. And his servant gets really, really sick, really sick. And he knows enough about Jesus and the notoriety of Jesus to know that Jesus can make a difference and can heal. So he asks the elders to go and get Jesus, who's far off somewhere, to come and be with at his place and heal his servant. And so that happens. And the elders go off and they find Jesus, who's been ministering and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And Jesus and his entourage are on his way to this people's, this guy's house. And the man says, and he gets his friends and he says, I want you to go and stop Jesus because... I'm a man under authority, he's a man under authority, so I know he can do it. Tell him to stop, I, I, I know he can do it. And so his friends go out and stop the entourage and say and tell him what the man had said. And Jesus takes the opportunity to use this as a teaching moment. And when Jesus heard this, it says in Luke chapter 7, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such faith even in Israel. And the men who'd been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I don't know how you read your Bible, but I, 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 when I read that chapter, I, I, I puzzled over that for about two weeks, thinking to myself, Jesus said, I've never found faith like this in all of Israel. And you know, when you read before that, Jesus has done amazing things. He's healed lepers. He healed a man whose four friends desecrated a roof to get him just before Jesus. He's seen amazing things. He's done miracles. And yet now is the time when he says, I've never seen faith like this in all Israel. What is it about this that caused him to say that? I'm puzzled about that and wondered about it. Here's what I think it is. This is the first time in the scriptures, in the gospels, where anyone has trusted Jesus to do something when he wasn't there in person. Which is our story, right? That's our story. First time 
Jesus trusted anyone, someone trusted Jesus to do something when he wasn't there in person. I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Because normally I'm right there with them. But here's someone who stopped me and said, I know you can do it even when you're not here. How important is that? You see, you are more important in the work of God than you think. I read through the book of Acts and it's, I mean, who, would have, who would have thought, um, who chose for people to get healed by touching Paul's handkerchief? Who would have thought of that? God didn't think that up. People thought that up. And he did. I mean, that's a bit freaky. You know, you don't build a theology, I mean, you don't build a hanky theology or not that, but that's just something that happened. Because people thought that would be a good thing and God honoured it somehow. It's God's power through you is extraordinary. Particularly when you know he lives in you, dwells in you, gives you momentum and you live in the power of his spirit. In the power of his spirit. Who would have thought? It's not presumption. It's not I can just tell God to do whatever I want to do and he'll do it. It's not that. It's not hierarchical. It's dependence. It's trust. It's honesty. It's freedom in you. And this year we will have all sorts of opportunities, all sorts of obstacles. And uh, the devil will want to do anything. He might not destroy your faith, but I'll tell you what he want to do is destroy your momentum. Just slow you up. Just stop you. That's what he might want to do. And you have the power of God dwelling within you to make a difference for his kingdom, wherever that might be in your life. I want to finish just reading a, uh, a scripture that you know very well. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to read, read this with me. And Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we all we ask or imagine. We read that. We love that scripture. God's able to do far more than we ask or imagine. It's tremendous. But look what it says after that. According to his power, that is at work where? Within us. Not God can just do it because he's, he's God out there. No, he does it because according to his power that is at work within us. Because he dwells within you. He's given you momentum. And he's chosen to allow you to, to have rivers of living water flowing out of you. It's an extraordinary story. It's an extraordinary promise. God is with you. You see, we are people of the Spirit. In weeks to come, we'll look at other aspects of the Spirit, what it means to be gifted, what it means to be fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. All those sort of things are important because He is our resource now, the Spirit of God in His church. Three words, God's presence. To be people of the Spirit means God's presence within you. It means God's momentum within you to keep your life and your faith flowing. And it means God's power that he can trust you to work in extraordinary ways, more than you can ask, think or imagine. 
because of his power that is at work within you. In a moment, I'm going to ask our team to come up and, and play a song. But before that, I want to just say this to you. I, I want to pray for you this morning, and I'll pray for myself. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes, as I said before, we get stuck. And I wonder if you're here this morning and you're a little stuck in your faith. God's not as real as you'd like him to be or as he used to be. Something's happened. There are circumstances in your life that have caused you to feel a little distant from him. The reality of the Spirit of God dwelling within you is not as um, real or as active as you'd like it to be. And you're a bit stuck. I would love to pray for you and me this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something, just to, wherever you are, just stand up right now, if that's you. And I want to pray for you specifically, if you're feeling a little stuck in your faith, a little stuck. Let me just leave another 10 seconds or so. If you're just a little feeling a little stuck in your faith, and I want to thank you for your courage in doing that. Let me just leave it for a moment. Let me pray with you and for you. Oh, Father, I want to praise and thank you for those of us who stood this morning because, because of the courage of saying, you know, I, I feel a little stuck. I know theoretically that, you know, your spirit dwells within me, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. There are circumstances, there are mindsets, there are things in me that, just cause me to be a little stuck. Maybe the work, sensing your presence in my life is a bit distant. You're a bit far off. So God, I want to pray for each person this morning. I want to pray for each person who stood. And, and Lord, I want you to just give to each one the understanding that they are receptacles of your spirit. Your word says they are temples of your Holy Spirit. They are buildings where you live. God, I pray that that will permeate today those lives. And Lord, I pray for momentum. I pray for momentum. I pray that people will understand that there are rivers of living water, not trickles, not streams, torrents within us because God is within. And I pray, Father, people will understand that today and will know something of your power and trust you, Lord God, as a powerful God and trust that you can use us in ways that we never thought possible. Not for our own good, not so we got some kudos because of that, but because of your kingdom. And Father, I pray that people today will know afresh and anew the resource of your spirit in our lives. We'll know your freshness, your newness, and your momentum and power. Lord, do your work amongst us, we pray. Speak to us by your Spirit within, in Jesus' name.